you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League podcast starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hensis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? How are you? Impressive intro there, because I I know you were in at the office at 5 a.m. You were doing a fantastic live blog (laughs) of the inaugural Pro Bowl draft, but you've got a lot of energy anyways. Yes. Well, you know what? I don't want to get into exactly how I'm so hyped up, but I am very excited. I can't say the same thing for Sessler. Uh, we don't have Wes with us. He'll be back. I worry that we might be losing Sessler, too, to illness, potentially. does not look good right now. I'm I just will be survive the show. We're going to disinfect your microphone that once you makes leave. Sense. Is that that okay? would make sense. If we care about our fellow employees. The gold standard be behind the glass. Do you have disinfectant that you could take care of uh, this issue? Uh, I was raised by a Jewish mother, so we always have Lysol on lock. <laughs> this guy's prepared always. The gold standard. Only Jews use Lysol. Fun fact. Yes or no? <laughs> 100%. I don't know. 100%. Okay, so a uh, lot of feedback, by the way. How, how are you, Greg? Have great. you said anything yet? I don't know if you Yeah, I, oh. I was the first person to talk after you. Oh, glad, yeah, that was great. <laughs> well, I told it was up very early today. A lot of feedback over the proposed abolishment of uh, the penny that came up out of our uh, – what was the original discussion? It was about the, the extra, extra point. point. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Canada abolished their penny. Yeah, they're ahead of us. Canada, it's common sense. Healthcare, tennis – Coin legislation, Canada. They well starting to be a factor. They're a factor. <laughs> the attic is get, is getting factor level. Uh, however, they do have Justin Bieber as well. I feel like we have him. We they, do. We, he's completely washed his hands of Canada, That's and we're true. stuck with him. Correct. That's true. And then one other thing about the the extra points. Thomas L. Sandberg or Sandberg from Denmark. I'll never get any of these last names right. On Twitter, pointed out that if we abolish the extra point, 
a pick six would become a pick seven. And immediately I'm out personally once we lose pick six. One of my favorite new terms of the century. There's no ring to that. I hadn't thought of that. That's a great point. It's a problem. The more we look back on the extra point issue, the initial post that I wrote in like 20 minutes was (laughs) missing a lot of key factors and elements. It was pretty bare of essentials. I mean, I stand by my stance that it's the equivalent of the penny it needs to be getting rid of pick six i guess it's just some collateral damage along the way sometimes when you make important new legislation people get hurt dan <laughs> yeah apparently that that's heavy collateral damage of losing pick six great term much better than interception return for a touchdown it was such a big gain whatever <laughs> um all right so big show today this is our last show in culver city california before we head to new york for Super Bowl 48, the week leading up to Super Bowl 48, just a program reminder, we will be doing three shows from New York slash New Jersey on Tuesday, Thursday, and then, Greg, Sunday night and or Monday morning? We'll get the podcast up for Monday morning as usual. Might be a little later. It will be a little later than normal, but we'll get it. We'll get it there. Looking forward to that. Um, as far as today's show, uh, we're going to talk about uh, coaches. We're going to do kind of like a coaching overview now that the Browns job seems like it might be in hand. By the time you listen to it, it might already be settled. Uh, we'll talk, do some Pro Bowl talk. We'll talk a little bit about that draft yesterday, and we'll get Kevin Patra on the phone. And I also want to check in with Patra to see if he's found a friend yet on the roster. Uh, but before we do that, let's hit the headlines. All right, we'll start with the Browns, who are attempting to hire Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator Mike Petten as their next head coach. Apparently the offer is going out. Petten is supposedly interested in the job. And it looks like, Mark, after 25 days, you found your man. Well, you know, and we talked about this on the last show a little bit. I'm happy with this decision. And I I kind of feel like Cleveland uh, stumbled into it. I'm not sure they... There's a sense that there was, uh, you know, 20 guys they wanted maybe more than Petten, but Petten, by all accounts, is uh, loved around the league. His players like him a lot. He's more of a players' coach than some of the guys they've had before, like Pat Shermer. And I don't know. I, you know, you look at the whole list of guys who were hired this off season, and I take Petten over a big chunk of them, to be honest. Well, we're gonna get into that list, give out some awards in a little bit, and. We're rolling the dice a bit here. When we're taping this podcast, it's, it's not official right. that Petten is the choice, but it sure looks like by the time most people listen to the podcast, it will be official. There should be an agreement. So we just wanted to get that out of the way that that's out there. Mm-hmm. But let's assume it is Petten. The one thing that I'm interested in, who's the coordinator? Who's the offensive coordinator? And for, to get hired, he must have had a plan that they could buy because he has no background in offense. See, I, I disagree that he had a plan necessarily. I think he has a lot of contacts and he has ideas. But one issue, and this is why I think Cleveland is not an attractive landing spot to a lot of these other coaches that got hired, is that I'm not sure he has the say over who his coordinator is. What? That's been out What's there the all week. What's the point of a coach? Well, but he they are crafting part of the staff around him and that some of the people they've brought in to hire are for potential coordinator roles, not Petten's guys. There are some good names out there to be a potential coordinator. Uh, Dirk Cutter, you're thinking, might move well, laterally? I, who, who would these names you be? You can make him an assistant coach, an assistant head coach, and yeah, 
I'm not saying Dirk Cutter necessarily, but that's that the that the, he's the coach is being foisted on him by Banner and Lombardi. That's that's sounds like a great setup. For exactly, success. and it, it's actually it's, it's a big issue. And you know, one thing that Chud faced all last season was decisions pressed on him. He had very little autonomy. That's fair. That's a problem, and that's one of the reasons they've been a butt of the jokes the last couple weeks. So you are a factory of sadness. So many jokes. So many bad jokes. Too. Terrible jokes. Some. But in the end, I think Pettin looks on paper just as good as all these other coaches. Sure. And more importantly, he is a great defensive mind inheriting a great defensive roster. Great. So I, I think so. I think it's a top 10 roster just in terms of talent. So they could be a very good defensive unit. And then if you can get the right offensive coordinator, you're starting off. If you watch the Pro Bowl draft, a lot of Browns going off the board early. Joe Thomas, a franchise left tackle. Josh Gordon, the league leader in yards. Jordan Cameron, he's a Pro Bowl tight end. Joe Hayden. I mean, even on offense, which struggled so badly, it's not like they're the Jaguars or a lot of other teams that don't have offensive talent. Also, by the way, two number one picks, ten overall picks, and more cap space than uh, you know four or five teams combined in some cases. Well, let's... We should we should email Lombardi. We have his email address. Maybe oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll reply. We oh, can yeah. we can join this winning staff. Um, <laughs> two things. Even let's say worst case scenario, the, the hire falls through. Moratorium on Twitter. People making the tweet. I have withdrawn from consideration as the next Browns coach. Seven hundred sports writers do it every twenty minutes. You know you don't have to get involved. It's a with little that. stale at this point. And then the other thing was yes, we're talking about Petten like he's going to be hired. Had an ex-girlfriend that used to say to me, she said this unironically, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. So that's why we're talking like it's a Where is she today? She's, you know, she's out there. I don't really need to get into the specifics of my past relationships. I'd like to know. Seems like a fair criticism of you, though. Not really living on the edge. Well, then I guess I'm taking up too much space. (laughs) Moving on, Brandon Jacobs, the... Longtime Giants running back, and for a short, brief period of time, the San Francisco 49ers running back in 2012 was on WFAN in New York this morning, uh, and he had this to say about Jim Harbaugh. He is a b- and that's why he hasn't won anything. Mark Sessler, I ask you, fair criticism? Well, look, hold on. Number one, <laughs> Dan and I grew up listening to WFAN. Right, yes. all day, all Absolutely. night long. Love WFN with all my heart, but like Francesa, the only Joe Beningo, here, the schmoozer. Oh yeah, the Mad Dog. The only mistake here was that anyone uh, cares what Brandon Jacobs says about anything. You're talking about a coach that took his team to the conference title game three times in a row. He's a. B- I don't think so. <laughs> we don't really have to defend Jim Harbaugh. I think uh, really, really the only reason I brought How, it up is because it was kind of funny. Who has more sour grapes, 49ers wise, than than Jacobs? Well, he, he signed there after the Giants won the second Super Bowl, and then Harbaugh, he, got, he hurt his knee, I remember, in the preseason, and then Harbaugh, he came back, and Harbaugh's like, no, nah, we're cool. He got five carries for seven yards and a suspension near the end of the year, and then they released him in a way that he couldn't sign with any other team before he came back to the Giants about a year later. I think Wes, if he were sitting here right now, would oh, be irritated this. because this is the season where we get athletes who have done nothing on the field chirping off for the next five months about stuff, and it's absurd. Go back to bed, Brandon Jacobs. <laughs> Get some more cold medicine, Mark Sessler. I, Ooh, he's fired up. Oh, I like it. I, it's I like an it. irritating storyline because 
like there is a guy there is not a guy that works harder than Jim Harbaugh. Ridiculous. Right. Good job, Mark. All right, this next item is not even really news. It's uh what are you what are you what are you holding your hands up for? I don't know. I find it annoying that Brandon <laughs> Jacobs finds finds his way into the news cycle. Just go away. Tesla's like the nicest guy you mm. ever want to meet, but if you bring up Jacobs' name, I know. he just turns into a That's Well, villain. we spent all last off season, you know, talking about him. I I don't does this case closed. Does this go back to you losing that drag race on the Garden State Parkway to Jacobs last uh summer? Maybe. All right, nice. All right, moving on. Jacobs <laughs> Jacobs was very rude to a friend of mine at the Super Bowl in 2008. Very nice young woman who asked a perfectly legitimate question, and uh, he treated her very rudely. So you might be on to something, Mark. we got to get him in the studio. Professor. <laughs> uh, this next item isn't really a news item, but it is something that a lot of people are bringing up, so I might as well throw it out there. Peyton Manning is the only Super Bowl participant uh, in next Sunday's game that has a ring. That's really weird. How yeah. Has that ever happened before? I don't even know. How would anyone know such things? Super Bowl one. This is <laughs> that's a good that's answer. True. That this is the Super Bowl with the fewest amount of players that have been in the Super Bowl since 1982. Four players have played in the Super Bowl in this game. Peyton Manning, of course, has won one. He lost one as well. Dominique Rogers Cromartie lost one. Wes Welker has lost two. And Jacob Tammy lost one. So they're all on the Broncos side. No Seahawks have been to the Super Bowl. They are the first team since the 1990 Bills to have no one on their roster. So, yes, Dan, mm. this is very, very rare. I think it says to me what a, a great job that John Schneider and Carroll have done because they came in and they took a pretty vanilla Seahawks team that hadn't been to the Super Bowl not that long ago, dismantled it, blew it up, got all the old guys out, and brought in a lot of not just young players, but kind of outliers, guys that other teams didn't value the same way they did, didn't see the same way they did. Their team is one of the more unique of all the 32. And that's a major part of their battle cry. You'll hear Richard Sherman's already said it on multiple occasions, and he'll say it all week, as will, I'm, I'm sure, several, if not all the Seahawks when they meet with the media, how they believe to be overlooked their whole careers and now they get a chance to it's pretty good motivation as far as that goes if you believe in that kind of thing it also points out when everyone's criticizing peyton manning for only having one super bowl ring i mean he's the only one out of a hundred people in this game that even has it and he's obviously the most important guy in the whole mix it's hard work this is one of those uh storylines that i like because it just means the super bowl is fresh these teams are fresh they're the two best teams in the league. They're playing outdoors. Everything's new. That's a just, good thing. And just another reason why no one should have been rooting for Patriots Niners. Except uh, for their fans. Except for their fans. That's fair. Because that would That's have been a, a much more tame Super Bowl week and everyone been there, done that vibe. This is totally different. And get ready, Mark, because you're going to be there in New York 100% healthy. I will be there. Mark is going to be our embedded Seahawks correspondent. Well, you talk about. I actually find the Seahawks just personally more interesting. So I'm. I was very happy when you gave me that task. I think there's a lot of lot going on with that team, and they're and it would. I, you know, I agree with Dan to go back into the whole 49ers thing. We did that. Well, plus you hate Jacob Tammy, so you get couldn't to pick him out of a. Anybody with Jacob anywhere in the name 
Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Totally false accusations, as always, from these two. (laughs) It would be really painful for Welker if he had another rough moment or another rough loss, don't you think? I know that'll be talked about probably during the week, but oh, maybe he should have caught the ball in the last Super Bowl. Yeah, no. Well, and it would also equal a tough moment for Peyton Manning. So it would be that would be interesting. You're talking a game-ending type drop or something, right? Yeah, just something like that. I mean, he's now been there. He switched teams. That worked out well, and now he makes it back. And if it doesn't work out again, it's pretty. He's had a pretty blessed football life since the age of about 26. He's earned it. All right, with grit. <laughs> Mark Sanchez. This is news from uh, yesterday. Actually, would start if the Jets cut him. Ah, coach says. And here's the <laughs> quote from Ah, coach. We'd take Sanchez. He'd be the starter as soon as he walked in the door for us. So I ask you, gentlemen, who is the wretched, sorry team uh, that would start Sanchez immediately upon signing him? Who could it be? I have two quick ideas. My first thought immediately went to Oakland. but Fair. What I think is that it might be a coach with a new team who hasn't been around with the old players there. Are we assuming this is a head coach? No, I think it's an assistant coach. That's what I would guess. I think it might be the Vikings. Mm. They're starting over a court. It's got to be a team that's just... Matt Castle and some That whole clown car of signal callers. I feel like maybe it is someone from nearby Capella University, which is near Mobile, Alabama, according to... Google What's just happening? in the last thirty seconds. Mark Sanchez could sign he could start for that team. Some some college coach is there just hanging out and they ask Oh, him, you surmise it's not even a pro coach. It's not a pro coach. It's just a guy who wandered over to the senior bowl to watch some great players in action. And he's like, Oh, Sanchez could start for me. Because what pro coach is possibly saying that? I I don't believe it. <laughs> well it has I don't to- believe it. It is it is I think that's why the story probably did well on our site is that it is an alarming <laughs> Uh, comment from anyone who's employed as a teacher in the NFL. Well, we cited our friends up in Canada earlier in the podcast. What about, because it's the only Canadian team I could think of right now, Rob Ford's team, the Toronto Argonauts. (laughs) Sign Mark Sanchez. He leads them all the way to the Grey Cup. And once you take the Grey Cup, it's all in play. No looking back. Look at Doug Flutie. uh, The world is yours at that point. Uh, Warren Moon. Hello. Was that the CFL? I think you nailed that. He won in multiple titles in the Canadian. Sanchez becomes the Sanchez again in Canada. Back to America. I'm not even kidding that career. I don't believe. I don't believe someone said this. You think, <laughs> it was, you think it's made up? This. You believe it was a made up? Give quote. me the scenario that that could be possible. Well, that's true. what I think. I think it's a coach that isn't I, familiar I with the up. team he's with. He's new. It would have to be a coach that believe that's looking to draft a quarterback or a team that's looking to draft a quarterback. And this, whoever this jabroni is said, I wouldn't start a rookie immediately, so I need a guy to come in and keep that guy's seat warm. So the Texans... Or what if it's a like former that. offensive coach of the Jets who feels burned by the whole way that went down? Or it's Sanchez's agent pretending to be a coach. Ah, see, that makes sense. <laughs> Dan knows Sanchez's agent. I do. We have a good relationship. I wouldn't say good. Uh, what else? Oh, that's it for the news, guys. Wow. That's it for the news. We're so, out of the woods. Capella yeah. University. It's in Mobile. According to Google, that's the coach. <laughs> it exists. There you go. He's, Interesting it's, idea. It's been cracked. The nut has been cracked. All right, so <clears throat> we talked a little bit about uh, the Browns and Mike Pettin most likely being the new coach. So 
<clears throat> downstairs we were kicking around ideas for the podcast, and, and we decided, you know, now that uh, the Browns seems like it's settled and we have the six other openings are now filled, there were seven positions starting with the Texans making their firing and then all the way through Black Monday and the days afterward. So now let's go through all the hires, and a good way to, we thought, to kind of frame this is give out some awards. So why don't we start out, because I really only want to do this to talk negative about some people, but uh, let's stay positive to get going. <laughs> and uh, Dan really was throwing out five different <laughs> categories of awards that were all negative. I was like, what are we just going to trash every single guy? He's like, worst coach. Who's going to have the shortest tenure? Biggest bozo. Whose home like... will be torched by week seven? That's it's good like... podcasting. That's exactly good. Pod. See, listening to WFAN, that's how this stuff happens. Um, why don't we start with the smartest hire slash best hire. Open up the floor. A lot of pointing back and forth po- between Greg pause. and Mark. So All right, once again, smartest just hire. West. Smartest hire. Yes. Mike Zimmer. Tell me why, Mark. I think that Mike Zimmer is... Mike Zimmer hired by the Minnesota yeah, Vikings. Yeah, I think he's ultra-prepared for it. Uh, he was hired quickly enough, you know, where he's able... He's built a really good staff. He has Norv Turner as his offensive coordinator. That's not his skill, so Turner, I think, would be a great addition there. Hmm. I think this is a guy that players want to play for. Other coaches definitely want to come be a part of his staff. He's well-respected. Uh, the guy is fired up. He's got a chip on his shoulder because he's been overlooked for decades. Zimmer's my choice. I like Zimmer. I like Petten. I thought, it felt, I thought it'd feel a little baked in if I picked Petten, so I went... You get a you guy know. that's hungry right. and ready to go and rising. I'm going to pick two guys. I like Petten and Lovey, unless Lovey qualifies in some other categories. I know Lovey doesn't get everyone excited. But he has a track record of success. And I always want a head coach to bring something to the table. If you bring something to the table, then you have an edge over most head coaches. And he brings a defensive system and a huge Rolodex of contacts and a good staff with him to the table. So I don't know if he can fix the offense, but I think he can make them better. Good job, guys. Let's move on to another one. The coach least likely – these are almost like senior superlatives in high school in the yearbook. With no women. With no women involved. Uh, least likely to fire up the fan base. The higher least likely to fire up the fan Doesn't base. Doesn't mean it's the worst hire, but Jim Caldwell. He's not going to get the I Lions fans that. excited. I think that's a fair answer because he was a very down-tempo, kind of milquetoast personality in Indy, replacing a coach who was that way to some degree in terms of not a controversial guy in Dungy, but Dungy won, and took you know Caldwell came in and did the Seifert thing, got to the Super Bowl, lost that, then the floor fell out, and mm. I don't think he left with the. But I'll tell you what, this guy seems fired up to win, so maybe he's oh. gonna Caldwell. I I've think never he seen seems, him fired up. I in think my he life. seems. You don't think he felt? I driven. think he was sleeping on a he, like a pullout couch. I think by the he. End of his I think Colts he tenure. wants to turn this image around and wants to show. I think he is prepared to do well. He was a little fired up at the introductory presser. He was quoting Chinese proverbs and the Bible and had a lot wait, of he was, vim and vigor. Wait, time out. He vim was, and vigor. He was articulate and well spoken, but I wouldn't say he was on fire. He was. I don't. Fired. Know, I still don't think he blinked. He was fired up compared to the normal. Well, you know why it's a good answer, though? Because when the Lions job came open, it w- everyone just assumed, without even looking, this is the best job out there. So by nature, you're going to get the most exciting, best coach. And so where you ended up is disappointing for a lot of those fans. And I know Dan doesn't want us giving a million answers to everyone, but I'm going <laughs> to do it anyways. Anyone that watched Jay Gruden's interviews after he was hired cannot be excited. 
I mean, his <laughs> his interviews with our network, with ESPN, with just the press conference. I don't know. He was not ready. He was not ready for the interviews. Doesn't mean he's going to be a bad coach, but he seemed like his eyes were bugging out. He couldn't speak. He couldn't look at the camera. He didn't seem ready for Greg, that was a moment. friend hiring a friend is what that was, too. Greg, are you done torpedoing our segment? Oh, let's do it. Let's <laughs> get to the next one. Okay. Uh, the next category is the Shiano, which uh, is an uh, award that goes to the coaching tenure most likely to flame out um, in excess. Put it that All right, way. I would go. I'm going to go... Uh, and I'll keep it short because Greg just said a lot of things I feel Gruden because I think a that's a that's a team that's willing to they have as many head coaching hires since 99 as the Browns at seven and if that doesn't work quickly with RG3 with that window that you have a quarterback he will be gone hmm and Greg you're so that's is that your pick you think for Shiano based on the track record the average Redskins coach stays there about two and a half years that would be a good pick Mm-hmm. Based on the Browns' recent track record, Pettin has to win right away. It's a wild card. <laughs> the, the thing I'd worry about is that the whole – if Pettin doesn't work out in a year or two, I don't think Banner and Lombardi get a third swing at the Oh, bat. they definitely do not. It just gets flushed out. I'll throw one out there. Bill O'Brien, I know he was the first guy off the board, and he was a very popular pick. A lot of people thought it was a great move. One thing that, that scares me, and this isn't even really on him – it's on the ownership, uh, Bob McNair. They seem to be under the impression that all they need to do is change this coach, draft a quarterback, and they'll be 12-4 and four next year. Totally agree. I think this roster is not necessarily, although it has some great pieces, is not primed automatically for a bounce-back season. I think expectations are through the roof, and I don't know if O'Brien is the elixir or some rookie quarterback to do that, and then you need the owner's been famously patient. Sure. Um, but... Who knows how he's going to be reacting? He wants this to time win around. now, and he said that we're right. going to win right now. That's not an easy way to start your first head coaching job. All right, how about the biggest surprise hiring? I, I, well, listen. I mean, with Petten, I think that guy came out of complete left field, so that's a surprise because when Cleveland started their search, it was we're going to go get, we're going to pull Saban out of the college ranks because God, that's why Petten we gets, did this. I hope he gets hired. By the way. Well, so do I. But let's, you know, this entire podcast is we'll a be, little segment in time. We'll be torpedoed. This would be like the Super Bowl shirts for the losing team that are worth a lot of money yeah. after the fact. Or it doesn't go live. One of the two. Yeah, Petten. I go Petten. Most surprising. I was most surprised that Jim Caldwell got a job, especially that good That's a job. Fair. I totally agree. But I can you really put a former? Nowhere. Well, you know, sometimes a former head coach is even more surprising. So, yeah. Caldwell, the, the coming off the season the Ravens had. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but you can't True. discount what he did for them last year though. It still they, was a I don't surprise. think they would have been to the Super Bowl if it weren't for him. So it's it's a two sides of a coin, but you're right. That's it's a good one. I'm also surprised just taking the long view that Ken Wisenhunt was the bell of the ball of this coaching crop. I would not have guessed that in early November or last off season that when we got around to this time that Wisenhunt was going to be wanted by everyone. You know, this reminds me of last year's draft quarterback class where Wiz is essentially Geno Smith and we're just going down from there. There's no mm. real sexy hire here. And, and Wisenhunt is nice a good analogy. example. Well, go and do a coordinator job for one year and suddenly everyone forgets. Everyone's like, oh, this guy knows how to teach quarterbacks. And he does, yes. But then when you put him on a team with no quarterbacks like the one he just inherited, we have not seen him do that. He completely crumbled in Arizona. Plus, he was once kicked off a Virgin Atlantic flight. Was he? No. I Hello? Made that, up. <laughs> that was Geno Smith. 
I a virgin right apologized that. to Gino today, by the way. As they should. So now I feel good again about my franchise's future. What what what's the apology about? They said they shouldn't have done I that. will read the apology real quick since we're here. Wow. Why not? Uh, after a full review of the incident, we believe it was the result of a misunderstanding that regrettably escalated unnecessarily. We've apologized to Mr. Smith for his ex- experience, which could have been better, and we'd welcome him back on board any time. There's an M dash in there, by the way. As an airline that prides itself on our guest service, we take incidents such as this one very seriously. Gino released, released a statement through the Jets. I really wow. appreciate that Virgin America took this seriously, looked into this matter, and followed up with me. I look forward to flying their airline again soon. What a nice story. That just shows how concerned Gino was with, with that story that he got all that to happen. But You got the franchise back there. They have good wi- Wi-Fi. I like the Virgin Atlanta. The Virgin too. is excellent. It it's, is well, it's like a, it it's is like a, a nightclub well of the exactly. skies. It's like a nightclub, exactly. And it's, uh, I could see strange things happening on those This airplanes. whole segment really so. was not planned. Dan just happened to have that in his email. It's true. I'm, not, I'm serious. When you go on Virgin, you know you're going to have Wi-Fi. Yeah. You're going to have some nice lighting in there. The stewardess, well, they don't call them the attendants. They don't mail it in like other mm, airlines. Sure. You get assigned seats. The gold standard's nodding his head back there. Yeah, no, I thought... It, they really don't mail it in. I have to say that <laughs> Southwest does an extraordinary job of sort of being virgin light, I think. But they but don't assign seats. No, that's that true. Is it's tedious. a free-for-all. Young, yeah. What a nightmare. No, stampede. A young, attractive clientele, I would say. Yeah. Meet some On balance. Some Yummy. Yeah. The Southwest line thing uh, makes me very irritated. Oh. I feel like cattle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Most likely to succeed. Not really that different than smartest hire, is it? Uh, it's a bit redundant. <laughs> this is what you would call heat. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't need to. Let's see. If I'm so, going to oh, give it, Chip, it out. Chip Kelly might have been the smartest hire last year. He wasn't the most likely to succeed ah, necessarily. Sessler. I'm going to disagree with, disagree with Dan, and I'm going to give it to Bill O'Brien because I like the organization. Ooh, I, like I think you look at the top in the owner, and you look at a GM that's put some good pieces in places over the years. And that gives the coach the best chance long-term. And some patience. He's been patient. So I like Bill O'Brien. This one is easy for me. I'm going to go Lovey Smith because, mm. A, this guy's battle-tested. He knows how to run a program. And he inherited, frankly, Shiano mm. is out of there because he didn't do, not unlike Cleveland's last coach, he didn't do enough with the talent in place. And there's a lot going on with Tampa's defense, his forte, and then also on top of it, they brought in Tedford to run that offense. I don't think you got. You maybe have a quarterback there. There's some issues. I agree with Sessler. I'm sneaky in on Mike Glennon, and I think Darrell Revis is going to be Revis again next year, and he has a coach that knows how to use him, and I think that will make a huge difference on that defense. Difference. So I'm going to republish that Buccaneers playoff post. <laughs> Give me the just been, You know, lambasted <laughs> by readers and podcast co-hosts. Counterpoint coming. <laughs> This is a move I used back in Model Congress back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lovey's in the NFC South. Three great quarterbacks in that division. Great division. My guy O'Brien in the AFC South stinks. The Colts are uneven. The Jaguars and Titans, forget about them. Quicker road That's to fair. The, quicker road to That's the fair. But it feels hollow. That's good. Ooh. Feels like a one-year, hey, this, you know what? Let's latch <laughs> on to this guy for one year. Then the Jaguars under Gus Bradley develop. And then suddenly O'Brien, he's not so... Doesn't know what he's doing. Things start to crumble. Mm-hmm. Chaos. The world collapses in on itself. Yeah. Greg's pick is wrong. And finally, <clears throat> this is uh, this is uh, an award that kind of only the people in this room maybe truly understand it. 
but I think everyone can relate because they read the content. The Jim Harbaugh Award for the coach that will be the biggest content provider for the Around the League blog. Ooh. And conversation That's piece good. for this podcast. It's a great award. This was Greg's idea. Greg, you deserve the credit for this. That's why I said it. It was so <laughs> great. Uh, Zimmer. I think he's going to be a lot of fun. Good, bad, it'll be fun. He's going to give quotes. He's going to get mad at quarterbacks. He's going to get mad at other coaches. He's a live wire. I think uh, Gruden, because I think Gruden, if things start to go ugly, as I predict, is (laughs) a a guy who could be completely unhinged. He's got that Gruden gene in him where he's just going to speak his mind. And it's the Redskins, too, which just naturally is going to get covered. see a lot of issues I think Gruden, I think Zimmer, this is why, by the way, the the Bengals uh, hard knock season, which I thought was about a B plus, maybe could have been even better with better players. Uh, it was a little flat with AJ Green and Andy Dalton in terms of people that you latch onto and narrative wise for the show. But the coaching staff, forget about Marvin Lewis, but uh, the uh, the coordinators was great TV. Yeah, we just named them, and you named both of the coordinators of the Bengals last year, and. I think Rudin will be interesting. Even if they do well, I think he would be kind of animated off the wall. If they go off the rails, even better. Ken Wisenhunt wins the award for the least number of awards that he won. <laughs> Which is, it's so funny, too, because he went to the Titans, who might be the most nondescript franchise in the NFL right now. Well, and you hear that he went there because he liked the laid-back South. He liked the fact that it wasn't a team like Detroit that he had felt pressure to win right away. That's not what I want to hear from my coach. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I want my guy, if my team's in Mongolia, I want to be in Mongolia because right. I want to build a champion. Right. This isn't a, a retirement, you know, a step towards retirement. I don't want to be closer to my cousins so I could drink on the weekends. It's like, what, what is this? Is <laughs> All right. It's time to get Kevin Patra, the Chicago correspondent for Around the League, who's actually right now in Hawaii for the Pro Bowl. He was yesterday... Johnny on the spot for the first ever Pro Bowl draft, which is a thing that happened in society. <laughs> and now he is on the line. Kevin Patrick coming at you. What's going on, fellas? How, did it, how, day. Are you? how did it feel to witness history? It was crazy. <laughs> to be part Absolutely of history, insane. let's be honest. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. It was mainly about me. Uh, it was a little bit about the players. <laughs> but so take, no, it, was, it, was, it was great. Take us through the scene because uh, – as Greg alluded to earlier, I did the live blog, but I did it in an office space. You were on the site. I know there was a big white tent where all the players were huddled, eating and drinking, while um, Chris Rose and then the, the captains and Sanders and Rice picked the players. What was the scene like under that tent? Were the guys into it? Were they jovial? What was what was going on? It was one of those things where it like just kind of escalated. Like At first, you know, a couple guys were in there were just you know, kind of mellow. You know, the PR people were keeping, you know, media at bay. And then as more guys got in there, it was just, uh, you know, a free-for-all. It was just guys wandering around, taking pictures. They were, you know, tweeting, doing all their crazy stuff, like have interviewing. I mean, any guy I went up to was happy to talk. Uh, they were having a great time. The, I will not – I can't tell you how much was imbibed, but mm. it was. I think they were having a pretty good time in this area. I won't say who the player was, but Patra did tell me via IM yesterday that a well-known – Offensive lineman, uh, I think Patrick's exact word was wobbled past him at one point. Yes, he wobbled uh, towards the restroom. <laughs> so have you made any friends? That was Dan's challenge to you. Yes. To make one friend. I, ha- 
I have not made any personal friends. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend what about, to be part of that crew. What about the long snappers? They seem like they are primed. Also, the kickers kind of seem like laid back bros. I, I don't know. I mean, the punters. <laughs> the, the punters are pretty well in there with the fit with the with the guys. Uh, Hecker from the, the the Rams was was pretty much hanging out with every crew yesterday. Really? If it makes so, you I, feel I don't, better, I don't, don't underestimate the punters. If it makes you feel better, Kevin, I haven't made any friends for like a decade. I'm not. I'm not joking. <laughs> Who makes friends after you're 25 years old? It pretty much stops. Some pe- people do. Some people. <laughs> Wait, Kevin, are you the guy statement. who's alone at the uh, the Oaken Bar at like 1 a.m. like Don Draper, sitting there nursing Ooh, a drink yeah. with with zero uh, anyone to hang out with you and to speak with you? And then getting like a, uh, a couple I, from I wouldn't, Vietnam. I wouldn't married. say I'm alone. Um, you know, you can add your way into this. I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I had a. I listened to one player and uh, his friend argue over who could beat each other in a forty the other day um, <laughs> at the bar. It was pretty. I, I'm glad that other other people's friends have those kind of conversations, especially when one is a superior athlete and, and the the smaller guy who has no chance still thinks he has a chance. Ten beers in. Why didn't they reenact Rocky Three and do the beach run with an awkward hug in the water afterward? I was. It was pouring rain. Mm. Interesting. Kevin, rate the level of annoyance from the players who got left until the end of that draft that got stuck around and no one wanted to pick them. I I think, I mean, I think you could tell on the stage at the end with Nick Bowles and, and Alex Smith that they were just pretty much over the process. It was, I mean, that was a long time. I think for the guys in the green room especially. The guys that were like earlier and were just wandering around eating food and all that, I think they didn't. You know, I think they are still pretty. Those guys, I mean, everybody booked right after, so I think three hours is a little bit long, especially for the guys at the end. Yeah, it's um, one, it's one thing to be sitting back there that whole time, but then they to get called up. These guys late in the process get called up, and then Chris Rose sticks a mic in their face, right? And is like, "How does it feel to be assigned to Team Sanders?" <laughs> right. and it's like, what, yeah. what the hell are they supposed to say to that? I don't right. understand. Agreed. Cam Wake seemed genuinely annoyed that he wasn't drafted or the whole process. Yeah. I think Alex Smith is going to use this as a form of motivation. Like, really? You're taking <laughs> Nick Foles over me? I'm still disrespected after all this. And then, was, yeah, yeah, and then Alex Smith is, is Mr. Not-So-Irrelevant, as Chris Rose puts it. You can just look at Alex Smith's face, and he's like, why am I here? What, what <laughs> right. is this format? I am never coming back to this event. I like Josh Gordon asking if there's a supplemental draft. That was I like that actually. That was humorous good. guy, yeah. well spoken. You spoke man. to uh, Darrell Revis, it. Kevin Patra, right for a yeah, while. For a while, he, you got some yeah. goodies. What What did he have to say? Well, I mean, he talked about how you know I asked, you know clearly asked him about a season. He he said he was actually surprised he being even in the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. which I found interesting considering I think we would all agree that he was one of the at the end of the season one still one of the best cornerbacks. So he doesn't think that he played all that well this season, to be frank. Uh, and then, you know, I talked about the, the, of course, the Richard Sherman stuff. And, you know, he, of course, like every cornerback, he made the point that, you know, we all think we're the best cornerback in the league. So, um, you know, it was a good conversation. He's pretty uh, open about everything. The difference now, though, and I noticed this is the first thing that came to mind as a Jet fan was when Sherman made a similar boast a year ago that he was the best. I remember Revis piped in on Twitter and, he's, you know, basically check yourself. But a lot of people sided with Revis. Now it's like everyone kind of seems to be saying Sherman is the man now in that back in that secondary. So you wonder, Revis, I was talking earlier about having a huge 2014. You wonder if that's just more motivation for that guy to be a monster this year or next year. Well, I, I think 
I would definitely agree with that. I'm sorry, we're at an Air Force base and I got planes taken off around me. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I definitely got that sense. Like he said, you know, he wasn't, he, he never felt like he was 100% this this year. So I think, you know, he feels like once the offseason, he gets a full offseason, he seemed to be, uh, you know, he said he hadn't talked to Lovey Smith yet, but he's, he seems like he's going to have no problem with that defense. He said he'll do, it, he'll do whatever they ask him to. So we'll see. All right, Kevin Patra, uh, thank you very much for giving us these uh, this great correspondence. I, I, I heart, from the bottom of my heart, I want you to, to make this friend, and then when we talk during Super Bowl week uh, next week, you will share a tale with us. All right, fellas. I'm working on it. All right. It's Kevin Patra. He was coming at you. You really want him to find a companion. I do. I mean, I think I, when challenge. I say you, I mean all of us. It's like it, it feels like he's on the outskirts of society. Because you're in Hawaii, but you're not with anyone. And mm. it's a big bonding experience for all the people that you're covering. But then you're alone. Mm. Someone else there must be alone, right? Justin Houston. I, I don't think anyone. I know there's a lot of chiefs <laughs> there. Chiefs, Interesting. There's seven chiefs, but he always he's more of a quiet, contemplative guy. I think him and Patrick would hmm. get along. Hmm. Um, Punch Drunk Love, again, by the way. There's so many parallels to this. Great movie, by the way. It is. I love Punch Drunk Love. Um, okay, quickly before Serious. we go. It's great. We have an entire week next week where we're just going to go crazy with Super Bowl talk, and we're going to have Wes back with us. We all can't wait to have Wes back in the mix. But before we go today, we wanted to touch on a little bit about the two teams, uh, the Broncos and Seahawks, and Greg Rosenthal, the boss. You actually went back and watched – these two teams play in the preseason in week three of the preseason, which of course is the week where the starters are on the field the longest. And it'd be interesting to get the takeaway from the boss and what he saw when he rewatched that game. People will discount this, that it was the preseason, but this was the most intense preseason game I've ever seen. And I, I remember, and I went back to my notes. I wrote that down at the time back in August. I mean, the, the, Bobby Wagner was blitzing every third down. The crowd was going crazy. There were a lot of big hits. So I think there were some takeaways. The Broncos had no trouble moving the ball. They made some big mistakes. Uh, But one of the things I took away was Demarius Thomas and Richard Sherman in this one play where he had a jump ball and Richard Sherman couldn't do anything with it. Thomas Mm, is just too big. He jumps over him, makes the play. Obviously, the teams have changed quite a bit. In the meantime, but I, I thought there were interesting takeaways. And even though the score was imbalanced by the end, the Broncos did not have any problem moving the ball. I think in that game also, if I'm not mistaken, Trendon Holiday busted free a 73-yard return. Not for a touchdown, maybe, but he broke free. They called it back, actually. Oh, it good always memory. happens to this guy. And uh, <laughs> there, were, there were a couple long returns by the Seahawks as well. You know, back then, Russell Wilson was hitting his deep ball. That's a little different than the last few weeks when they weren't. Uh, I thought the, you know, the physical Seattle corners, they're going to give you a chance to make plays. You know, one-on-one, whether it's Sherman. Back then, it was Browner. Now it's you know, Maxwell and Cam Chancellor. And Denver did a good job hitting some plays up the middle. I think if you're going to beat this Seattle defense, it's going to be against Jeremy Lane and Cam Chancellor in the middle of the field. So that puts a lot of it on Julius Thomas and Welker. And if there's anything we know about Peyton Manning, he's going to know exactly where the soft spots are. And and this defense is so good, they know that Manning knows that. And it'll be interesting to see how they try to combat that. That's just another reason why this is such an amazing matchup. I don't think he's going to study that hard for this game. <laughs> Manning? 
<laughs> He's going to finally kind of be like, I think I banked enough. Foot off the pedal. I've got this. Enjoy the moment. Let's just go to TGI Fridays with Eli and his wife all week. Some Sabaros. Get some real New York <laughs> <Sabaros>. pizza. <laughs> um, all right. So, yes, we will get into the game in, in, in depth uh, starting on Tuesday, which will be from New York. We will be at the Media Center, I believe, doing it live. We'll have Gold Standard. You will not be with us, un- unfortunately. No, sad- sadly not. But you will be in our thoughts. That is unjust. Yeah. Catch you guys on TV. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're on TV. Huh. All right. So until then, uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for the Sizzler, the boss, the gold standard behind the glass. Uh, Wes will be back next week, and we will be in New York. So until Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.